This episode of the Tech Money Podcast is sponsored by Capital Area Tax Consultants. Capital Area Tax Consultants is a virtual tax and accounting firm that specializes in helping high net worth individuals navigate the complexities of the tax code. While our team of tax pros are well-versed in all things tax, our areas of expertise include rental real estate and equity compensation. With our comprehensive tax planning services, our one goal is to help clients maximize savings and minimize their tax liability each year. At Capital Area Tax Consultants, we believe in pricing transparency and flat fees. Before engaging with us, you'll receive an upfront quote in black and white with a description of any services to be performed. This way, there are no hidden surprises. So don't wait. Reach out to us today to experience a better approach to taxes at www.capgllc.com. Again, that web address is www.capgllc.com. Welcome to the Tech Money Podcast, where the worlds of technology and personal finance collide. Hosted by certified financial planner, speaker, blogger, and self-proclaimed personal finance nerd, Malcolm Etheridge. Each episode aims to make you just a little bit smarter about your money, all from the perspective of the tech professional. Without further delay, here's your host. Hey there, listeners. Malcolm here. And on today's show, we're talking social media. More specifically, we're talking about using social media as a founder to rapidly increase one's influence and help scale your business. I'm sure any founder can attest that when starting something new, one of the biggest problems that needs to be solved almost immediately after launch is making some noise to let the public know you and your product or service exist. If not, no matter how good that product or service actually is, you likely won't be in business for very long. It's one of the reasons why top VCs regularly push the startups they invest in to spend somewhere between 30 to 50% of their budget on marketing and customer acquisition in their earliest days. And obviously, if you're going to be marketing something new, social media will almost certainly be a part of that strategy. But there's so many options when it comes to leveraging social media to build a following. How are you supposed to choose? Do you use them all? Do you stick with just one? Do you hire an outsourced team? Do you build the strategy yourself? These are just a few of the questions you might ask when trying to decide how you will build that audience. And while as a veteran podcaster, I certainly understand the importance of utilizing social media to connect with your audience and make sure you're delivering a consistent message in between episodes, I am by no means the expert when it comes to this subject. So I decided to call up someone who is. My guest, Mark Lachance, is the CEO of Maxi Media, a content search and social media marketing agency based in Montreal, Canada. Prior to taking over as MaxiMedia CEO, Mark has been a serial entrepreneur, owning and operating businesses in the payments and fitness spaces, among others. He's also worked as a sports agent and is the author of the new book, The Lucky Formula. So with that brief introduction, welcome Mark Lachance to the Tech Money Podcast. Uh, glad to be here, Malcolm. Thank you for that awesome introduction. Yeah, I appreciate you making time to do this. And I should also say, because our listeners are probably listening everywhere at this point, I, as an American, keep butchering your name and saying the chance, but it, I believe it's actually La Chance, right? Because it's got to be French since you're in Canada. It, it, it's French, it's La Chance, and it means actually lucky. So that kind of gives me the green light to write a book about luck, I think, I because it. my name means it. <laughs> 
Well, so I want to ask you about that book because I actually found it a little bit interesting how, uh, I don't know if in your face is the term that I would use, but deliberate is probably another way I guess I would describe it. But before we jump into that, in my intro, I described you as a serial entrepreneur, but that may have undersold it just a bit because you've scaled quite a few businesses at this point, but you keep coming back for more. So what is it about building businesses that you love? Like, why not just go play golf or collect art or something else at this point? Well, I could do that, but I think I'd be bored to death. So I'd, I'd have to jump back in. So look, when you're, I, I grew up an athlete. I grew up with two brothers that played professional hockey. Mm-hmm. Uh, my father always pushed us to be the best at what we're doing and to be a winner. So if you're a winner, you know, I could win on the golf course, but it just bores me. So I did, you know, I want to continue to get back in and climb mountains, I guess is, is, is the answer to that question. Yeah. So like the, the whole background, having worked as a sports agent, I assume ties into having two brothers who are professional hockey players. Is that? Yeah. Well, it was a pretty easy entry to get to, I mean, not easy. Nothing's easy. Obviously I had to build my practice, but it allowed sure. me to open doors that I wouldn't have had, had I not had, you know, a brother that was drafted fourth overall. He played in the U S Olympic hockey team. And also was, uh, you know, played 13 years in the National Hockey League. And my other brother also played, it was drafted by St. Louis and played 10 years professional. Wow. So that kind of opened a lot of doors for me. I don't know what the the average stint in the NHL is compared to the NBA or NFL, which are, I think, four and three and a half years, uh, respectively. But I can imagine having that kind of longevity, 10 plus years for either of them means they had a pretty significant career. Yeah, I mean, uh, look, one played 13, 13 NHL seasons. And I think, Malcolm, I don't know the stat. It used to be around two and a half, three years in the I NHL. As much, yeah. Yeah, I think so. So, and my other brother, the, my little brother, never played in the NHL. He was drafted, but he played 10 years pro. But, you know, he had a great career in Europe and had a lot of fun. So, good for him. Well, so let's stay there for a second, but pivot a little bit before we really dig in on the building the influence side of the equation. Let's talk for a second a little bit more about where you started, because from what I understand, you you exited a few companies in the past, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you had the huge exit that translates into billions of dollars in the bank. And now I'm a bored billionaire trying to figure out what to do. So I go and buy a social media platform like Twitter or some other <laughs> thing to occupy my time. Like, so... Uh, Kind of walk us through some of that, right? The the term serial entrepreneur doesn't necessarily encapsulate it at all. And I know that, you know, everybody's journey is generally not peak to peak to peak to peak like we like to describe it. It's usually peak to trough, peak to valley, peak to valley, right? And so give us sort of the, the, the story. What types of businesses, you know, you came from the payments world, as I mentioned, on some some businesses in the fitness space. Like, what's this ride been like? Well, peak to trough or peak to valley, I think is pretty accurate because you <laughs> you go through, you know, successes and failures and, and any entrepreneur that tells you they never they've never had failure is definitely dead wrong yeah. <clears throat> dead wrong because look, if you're gonna be successful, you're gonna get the you're gonna take the hits, you're gonna get knocked down, you're gonna get knocked off that horse and you have to get back up. But so back in <clears throat> in ninety two, I think I'm a little bit older than you, Malcolm, but I graduated from a school in Boston. And at that time, the, the economy was, was not great. And all of my classmates were either going to work for Staples or State Street as a low-level employee making, I think the number was like twenty two or 24000 a year. Wow. And I wasn't interested in that at all. And uh, you know, along that time, my brother was uh, 
again, like I told you earlier, he was drafted by the Islanders. He was getting recruited by all these universities and then NHL teams and, and agents as well. And so seeing that, I was like, dude, I am not going to work for Staples in the <laughs> warehouse. Like, I'm going to get into the agent business. But the, the, I guess the issue or the problem was that, you know, I didn't have a law degree and nobody really wanted to hire me. So I had to build my own practice with an affiliate, uh, you know, being affiliated with, uh, with an, uh, I was affiliated. I don't know if you know hockey at all, Malcolm, but Ray Bork's agent. So his name was Steve Fryer, but he wasn't uh, paying me a salary. It was commission only. Wow. So I had to hustle. So I, I needed a job in between. So my father hired me on his uh, construction crew. So he had a small company that built framed houses and did roofing as well. So, you know, I kind of developed a pretty big why out of that working construction because I absolutely hated every second of it, but it allowed me to build my, you know, to build my, my sports practice. But, you know, the biggest why I have is, is waking up in the morning and not having to look outside that window yeah. and see that blazing sun come up over the horizon and know I have to be on that black top roof. That was brutal, yeah. completely brutal. So, Nothing anyway, I like kind of knowing what you don't want to do to figure out what you do want to do. Exactly, exactly. So, you know, being a construction worker during the week and weekends, moonlighting as a, a sports agent allowed me to build a pretty big practice, actually. So, I had at one time, I had seven players in the National Hockey League and 35 mm. in the minors working their way up. Wow. Um, so that was pretty, it was fun. Lots of travel all over Europe, all over Canada, all over the United States. And uh, it was a great foundation to, to get me to where I am now. Wow. So let's fast forward a little bit because, you know, you, you pretty much detailed that background in the book that I referred to in your intro about creating your own luck, right? And being mm -hmm. intentional about, you know, where you're going. So what's the, I, I kind of just, you know, summarized it for you. But what's the, the the key takeaway, I guess I would say, from putting all of that lived experience into the pages that you want people to take away? Well, the subtitle of the book is how to stack the odds in your favor and catch in on success. And yep. wh what does that mean, right? So the formula itself is internal mastery plus external mastery plus action equals luck. And luck can be swapped up for success, right? It's not, you know, it's not <laughs> luck as in going to the racetrack and winning a million dollars at the track. Sure. Not at all. It's it's about, again, stacking those odds in your favor. And, you know, luck is not a fluke. It's a formula. So what does that mean? So internal mastery is in uh, is mastering your, let's say, your narrative or your internal voice. Mm -hmm. So Malcolm, how do you wake up in the morning? Do you wake up on fire? Do you wake up excited for the day? Do you tell yourself how great you are and how great the day is going to be? Or are you a victim? Are you a woe is me? Right? So that, that's the first- I have a two-year-old, Mark, so I'm pretty much a victim. <laughs> <laughs> I wake up four hours after I went to bed and 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 I'm a victim. But I know what you mean. I know it. I, I know <laughs> Under normal circumstances, I, I'm generally the guy who's on fire. But so, so then, if you read the book, if you read the book, Malcolm will give you some tips and tricks out of it because I have two young young boys as well, young yeah. kids as well, and and I understand that fully. But you know, so you wake up in the morning, and I give you tips and tricks on how to get out of bed fired up and completely ready to tackle the day. So that's one. So, what's your internal story you're telling yourself? Are you a winner? Or are you a loser? Right. And then next, do you meditate? Do you not meditate? Do you do affirmations? Do you acknowledge the great things in the past? So when you, when you, you know, eventually, because everybody does go down a negative sort of thought process, do you have tips and tricks on how to get out of that negativity? Yeah. Right. So do you do, you know, acknowledgement means 
writing down 20 great things you did, you've done in your life. Everybody has 20 great things they've done. Everybody. I don't care if you're, a, you know, if you're a single mom or you're a single dad or whatever, whoever you are, no matter what, if you're rich or you're poor, you have 20 great things you've done. Did you do great in the spelling bee? Did you get a blue belt in jujitsu? Did you win a tournament when you were a kid? Whatever. You have great things. Yeah. So I guess the point is, you're going to acknowledge the great things and then move on. So why, and why am I saying this? And why am I, why does this matter? And how is this stacking odds? Well, if you continue to stack positive positivity or great energy or your great energy is attractive. So Malcolm, I have a question for you. Have you ever walked into a room where the energy is just amazing? And then all of a sudden somebody comes in and the energy just drops. Have you ever been? (laughs) Of course I have. Okay. So that's the point. Now, do you want to, did you even, when that person with that negative energy walks in, are you even attracted to that person or even want to have a conversation or you, do you just want to No, you're away? avoiding that person the best you can. Exactly. So a huge part of the lucky formula is building that, that energy, that attractive energy, mm-hmm. right? So if you have that attractive energy, which is your internal sort of mastery, then all of a sudden you're going to start attracting things into your life. And it's not woo, it's not law of attraction stuff. It's just basically it's physics, yeah. right? So it, it, it's, it's magnetism. And I'm teaching you in the book how to build that magnetism. Yeah, I, I appreciate you spending so much time on that. I know that was kind of not the way I teed up the the conversation for our listeners. But the reason I wanted to, to, to hone in on that is because essentially to the point you were making, it's that whole idea of the harder I work, the luckier I get. Right. And I, I, I make my own luck, as people say, it, it sounds kind of dismissive in a way when you say it. But if you genuinely understand it and believe it, it has a, a, a reframing effect on on success versus not. So I, when I read that about you, I was doing my preparation for the show, read that about you, got a feel for what the book was about. Hadn't had a chance to read it just yet because I just came across it as we were preparing for the for the episode. But I was like, this is something I really want to ask him about, because most people who are CEOs of XYZ business want to focus a lot of the conversation on the success today and putting forward the best face and the best focus, which I completely understand. You're the reflection of your business that you represent. You want it to look good at all time. But I certainly appreciate anybody who's willing to raise their hand and say, not so fast. I myself have had struggles with X, Y, and Z, and here's how I overcame it. And then even willing to put that into a book at a point when this person's not also simultaneously setting up to run for president or something, because that obviously <laughs> has its own direct path that you can kind of see. This is why that book came out suddenly. So anyway, I appreciate you humoring me and 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 going down that rabbit hole with me. But to get in a little bit more to the uh, Maxi story, can you just explain the Maxi Media platform to us? You know, what do you guys do? Who's it for? What's the purpose? So on and so on. Yeah, well, the purpose, we started as a, a performance marketing agency, and we're a Facebook-only shop, right? So performance marketing means driving leads, driving awareness, driving attention to businesses. And then and we found a, a pretty awesome opportunity driving traffic to Google and Yahoo, and that was a, that, that's become a pretty awesome part of our business. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been pretty exciting. And then we've also got a division that does the performance stuff. So for example, in, in lend, personal lending, insurance auto warranty and things like that. And education as well is a big vertical that we dive into. And it's been exciting. So we use all the social platforms, specifically TikTok, 
Facebook, Instagram, which is the same company, and Snapchat as well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, but most of our today, I think we're going to get into this, but most of our traffic is being generated on TikTok right now, a big, a big percentage of, of our traffic. Oh, yeah. I certainly want to ask you about that one. But let me let me stay there for just one more second, because I, I want to make sure that I understand what you mean when you say you're you're pushing the traffic there, or you're flowing the traffic there. So as an example, as a hypothetical, I am founder of XYZ Company. We sell widgets, you know, online as our only business. We're B2C online widgets company. And I'm trying to attract eyeballs to our website so that people come and buy our widgets directly from the website. So you're saying I come to you guys, you guys create the ads for me that are now posted and hosted on Google, or am I misunderstanding that? Almost, almost. So we, so you come to us if you're in any one of the uh, verticals that I spoke about, education, insurance, lending, and we will create the ads. We will buy media against those ads. So I'll explain to you in a second how, how TikTok works. Yeah. So we'll buy media against those ads or those videos and drive traffic to your landing page, to your website, to your wherever you want the traffic, to your call center, mm-hmm. if you will. And TikTok is actually, it's been a pretty phenomenal experience, but it is very labor intensive on our side. So this is why, you know, a lot of the brands don't want to do TikTok because it is very labor intensive, meaning we've got a, about 150, almost 160 creators right now that are creating videos on a daily basis every single day and providing content on behalf of our clients to us. And then we're buying media against that content and driving the traffic to our clients. Interesting. I think I think it's even good for like, uh, as we're having this conversation, I'm thinking about consumers who are not anywhere close to ever wanting to be a founder of anything or, or a marketing person, period, getting an understanding of how the ads are, are formed and created and show up in your feed and interact with the other videos that you're you're viewing and, and, and you know, subscribing to and that sort of thing. Uh, it's interesting to me, but it's also important, I think, to understand how that whole ecosystem even works to be able to know what you're you're out for. But uh, on a related, unrelated note, why is it so important, you think, for founders to not only build influence, but build it fast? Because one of the things that I gather from you guys is that your focus is on blitz scaling is the term that I've seen used a number of times, you know, here. Why blitz scale that influence? Why is it so important that it happens so fast? Well, you know, there's two schools. To, I mean, one that I sort of, I don't say I created, but the founder of LinkedIn wrote a book. He wrote a book called Blitzscaling. Mm-hmm. And it was more catered to companies that are getting, that, that have gotten big VC money or big private equity investments. And, but there's another, you know, so basically you're taking all that money and you're rolling it to revenue generation fast. Yeah. And you know, if, if you don't have the capability or the ability to go out and raise big money or you don't want to, like for example, we didn't take a dime of uh, a dime of investor money. It was all financed by by myself and uh, and us. So what we did is we decided to blitz scale by taking every single dime of profit, rolling it back into the company and rolling it back in and focusing on revenue generation. So I guess what I want to uh, what I want to impress upon everybody on that's listening is that in the beginning, revenue generation is key. Revenue, like, so we looked at only revenue generation. We didn't worry about support staff, you know, HR, anything like that in the mm-hmm. beginning of the company. Eventually, you have to get there. But if you want to grow and grow fast, you have competition. You need to plow all of your dollars into sales, marketing, 
uh, media buying, anything that's going to drive top line revenue for you. So yeah. that's that's kind of you know how we've built influence by by just going. I'm going to call it. You know, we went on a crazy hiring spree and uh, made made a ton of mistakes there. But we went on a, an incredible hiring spree in, in getting those types of revenue generation folks. Hey there, listeners. It's Eric with an A. And I'm interrupting the show for just a moment to tell you about our newest offering, the Tech Money Guide to Restricted Stock Units. This guide was developed to teach those who are paid in RSUs to develop a plan for how and when to convert those shares into actual dollars as well as how to incorporate them into your overall personal financial plan. You may have already heard episode 50 where Malcolm described the guide in detail, as well as his own philosophy and rules of thumb when it comes to managing this valuable form of equity compensation. If you haven't, no problem. We would still encourage you to head on over to tech-money.com and download a free copy of the guide today. There's also a link to it in the show notes of this episode. Again, that web address is tech-money.com. And you can download a free copy of the guide right there from the homepage. In keeping with the promise of this show, our hope is that the Tech Money Guide to Restricted Stock Units helps make you just a little smarter about your money. Now back to the show. Well, that, I mean, that feeds into what I'm thinking, because one of the main reasons, you know, I wanted to have you on is that, as I mentioned, you know, you guys have built, well, I guess you yourself have built multiple companies from the ground up. And from what I understand, you attribute most, if not all of that success to blitzscaling your influence by leveraging the various, you know, social media platforms that are out there. But to me, that's rare, right? Like I would, I would bet all of the money I have in my pocket right now with, which is honestly not anything because who carries cash anymore, but I, <laughs> you know what I mean? I would bet <laughs> if you, if I asked a hundred startup founders, what they attributed their success to, they'd point to some technical skill they possess like 98.6 out of a hundred times. Right. But your approach that you just laid out is different. It's let's build the influence, build the audience, get the traction first, and then build the infrastructure on the back end second. So say a little bit more about that. I, I actually know the book you're talking about, the Reed Hoffman book, um, hey, Reed Hoffman, which I'm, I'm, I'm a exactly. fan of as well. Uh, but say a little bit more about that. Like why, why not put all of our focus on building the best possible version of the product or service that we're launching instead of focusing on making noise about it. Well, it de again, it depends. So first I, it wasn't just me. It was our unbelievable team that built this because I, you can't do anything alone. And and if you don't have great people around you, you're not going anywhere. So that, yeah, that's number one. I mean, so I can get into a point later about how to hire, who to hire, and, and how to get your ego out of the way and put people in that. But anyway, so the point is, um, yeah, the point is why build uh, – sorry, it depends what type of business you're in, right? So if yep. you're in a sales and marketing business, you don't really have to build out an incredible platform. So if you're in, let's say, you're building a social media platform, well, you better have your technology in line. I mean, I've – I've launched companies, I've made that mistake, right? Where I didn't have the tech ready and it's absolutely blown up in my face. So yep. again, it depends what business you're in. Do you need, if you're in a, if you have a tech platform and you need it to function uh, and, and you jump out in front with marketing, like I've done that in the past where I, where I bought almost a million dollars of, of radio time back this about 10 or 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. I bought radio time and I brought in influencers and just the platform wasn't ready. And we spent all this marketing dollars up front and just blew up the whole thing. So yeah. our platform could handle it. So 
I, I, I say blitz scaling depending upon what type of business you have. If you're a tech-focused company, well, you better have your, your, your tech platform ready before you go sure. out there. But once it's ready, I believe that you have to drive top-line revenue. You have to, w- without, in what I meant by infrastructure, Malcolm, I meant sort of, you know, instead of uh, hiring an HR person yet, why mm-hmm. don't you hire a business development person? Instead mm-hmm. of you know, hiring that CFO, you can have a controller take that role and, and use CFO dollars to hire media buyers or sales people. Or, so I, I'm really a sales-driven person or sales and marketing-driven person because that's what drives top line and eventually bottom line revenue. So that that's my focus. I mean, everybody's different. Like, you know, Silicon Valley is a little different than, than media buying, but uh, anyway, that's kind of my focus. But I think that's important to, to note, especially in an environment like we're in right now, where VC money is obviously tougher to come by, right? You look at somebody like an Instacart who's had to slash their valuation multiple times. If you're a person who's a startup in that same vertical, there's no way VCs are going to be willing to throw money at you the same way they were two years ago or even pre-COVID, right? So being able to bootstrap the business and spend money in the right places is even more important now than it was two years ago. And that also is going to mean that driving top-line growth so that you can also have dollars to put back into the business is going to be even more important now than it ever was before. So I asked you a bit of a leading question, obviously, knowing where <laughs> you as the, the 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 marketer were going to go. But I just I think it's an important point to drive home that understanding how to bootstrap is just as important as understanding how to pitch VCs and other other investors. Well, look, it's important to invest your monies in the right area, invest your capital in the right area. A lot of people will waste a lot of money on, uh, you know, it's the old, it's the old, oh, it's never ready. It's never ready. It's never yeah. ready. You, you know, you can get, you can get wrapped up into that. You can get uh, it wrapped up. It's called feature creep, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, I need to add this and add that. Well, why don't you get out there with a minimum viable product and launch the damn thing? It's like, so I'm part of a strategic coach, Dan Sullivan, mm-hmm. and he preaches 80, 20. So when, it, when it's eight, sorry, 80%, the 80% rule, when it's 80% done launch, yeah. You don't don't waste your time being fully completed. Get the get the product out the door. Get the sales strategy, marketing strategy out the door, That's and the don't lean, waste your time. Lean startup methodology, right? If it's just get the minimum viable product that you can, and then iterate, iterate, iterate. Exactly, because here's another reason why. Because I guarantee you, the first product that you launch is not going to be anywhere close to what the the final product will be. Like. So- it, Go ahead. Funny enough, you and I obviously are are, are fans of uh, Reed Hoffman and and a lot of the the good information that he puts back out there into the the universe after having had to learn it from experience. One of the things that I'm a fan of of that I hear him say often is the idea that if you've if you're not embarrassed by the first version, exactly of whatever you launched, <laughs> you launched too late. And I, I have to constantly remind myself that because frankly, if I tried my best to get this podcast even perfect before it finally came out early in 2021 we'd still be in production meetings right i'd be driving (laughs) eric my producer crazy with little iterations of how i think we're going to do things differently versus actually just launching the thing and seeing what happens so you must be a fan of masters of scale his podcast huge fan of masters of scale yes I don't know what gave it away, but uh, (laughs) (laughs) a huge fan of Masters of Scale. Also a huge fan of just the rebrand that Reed Hoffman has gone through as far as being willing to 
turn around and give away a lot of what he's learned to on his way to becoming the billionaire versus putting up walls and saying, you know, I'm here now. It's up to you guys to figure out your way. Yeah, he's done a, an amazing job, and I uh, and I'm glad he's putting out that content because he's taught me a ton on how to how to blitz scale and scale a, a business from zero to where we are today. So it's yeah. been awesome. Well, let me get back on track for a second here. So you mentioned TikTok a number of times, and I know from from reading in preparation for the show that that's you guys' preferred uh, platform. I guess is the way to say it, right? You guys, from what I understand, are one of the largest spenders on TikTok altogether. And see, I, I want to point out that I didn't call it the TikTok this time, which is a step in the right direction for me as an old man, but. <laughs> That's really saying a lot, right? To be one of the largest spenders on TikTok because TikTok does billions every quarter in ad revenue. So why is that platform the platform of choice for you guys? Well, we had back about two and a half years ago, and you probably heard this story many, many times. We had an issue with Facebook where Mm -hmm. Facebook in their infinite wisdom and their unbelievable customer service often will turn off an account. And we made some mistakes that we put every, uh, we put our basically whole business under one account, which is mm-hmm. a mistake. So diversify your business managers, your profiles and blah, blah, blah. So okay. make sure everybody- di- wisdom I didn't ex- have. Exactly. Because Facebook can turn off an account and then all of a sudden you're like, wait a minute, my business is out of business. Yeah. So this two and a half years ago, they, they in their infinite wisdom, decided to turn off our account. We got it overturned two months later, but guess what? You know, for two months we had zero revenue, mm. and we were we were actually forced to look for alternatives. And just so happened that TikTok wa- was um, launching a beta test for their ad platform, and we jumped. You know, we had no choice but to jump all in on the platform, and we found that it was actually you know at that time the the costs were much cheaper, the ability to drive traffic was better. And the quality was just the same. So we were forced into it and it turned out to be an amazing opportunity for us and ends up at TikTok 60 to 65% of our revenue right now. So we are certainly glad. We're actually happy that that, uh, you know, that, that negative thing happened to the business because in the long run, it helped us you know, w- with where we are today. One of those happy accidents. Exactly. But then, so... But then I also understand that you guys are one of the, the the biggest spenders on the other major platforms like Facebook, as you mentioned, and, and Snapchat. So, well, in Canada, we're number one on TikTok, and we're I, I think probably in the top twenty in the U.S. I mean, on that's the other pl- something, right? Yeah, like, but that's TikTok. On the other platforms, I don't think we're anywhere close to the top. So okay, I just okay. I'll have to correct that one. <laughs> well, no, but I mean that's that's helpful because the question I was going to ask is like, why spread your eggs evenly and multiple baskets like that like why diversify since conventional wisdom from lots of the folks in the the digital media space you know i come across is to go all in on one platform i don't agree with that at all and i'll tell you why just think about what happened to us two and a half years ago facebook shut us down now think about this also on tiktok could be any day that they, they decide to change their uh you know their their rules and regulations because if you remember back in the last election, the the Republicans were pounding the drum against TikTok. So mm-hmm. what happens in the midterms if there's a red wave? What happens in the next election if the Republicans win? What happens to TikTok? Yep. Could be it could be SOL. So, you know, I I definitely believe that you need diversification across yeah. social media, across marketing platforms, definitely. I actually agree for a different reason. I learned that lesson vicariously watching what happened to you early YouTube creators 
who like exactly. made their entire living on being content creators on YouTube who are being paid by YouTube to go and create new content. And then all of a sudden YouTube strategy changes somewhere around like 2015, 16, where they started hosting new content. They needed content faster because they had gotten so big. Right. And they started hosting content from bigger, more professionalized studios, like an NBC, right? Like they're putting out episodes of, uh, what is it? Jimmy Kimmel and stuff like that and posting it on the episodes on YouTube. Well, how can I, as an independent creator with two cameras and two ring lights in my basement, create anything close to what NBC can do out of their studio? And so all of a sudden I, as a content creator, am less valuable to YouTube, but I've built my entire income around creating content and posting it on this one platform. So that was you know, when I read enough about that as it was happening, that is what made it very obvious to me that like having one or two is a great starting point. But eventually you've got to figure out a way to diversify because algorithms change overnight to your point. Absolutely. And, and look, you've heard how many people have gotten to platform from one platform, you know, over the last couple of years, you've seen that all the time, right? So it behooves you to have multiple platforms in my view. And, and I get your point that people preach laser focus, laser focus, but I just think that's not a smart business move in my view. Yeah. Well, so bringing it back to ad buys and building influence fast by spending, you know, as much as you can afford to on ads on social channels and that sort of thing. I get the sense that I, as the creator coming to hire you guys, I'm no longer creating even the ads that are showing up on these different platforms that we're discussing. But what do you say to folks who might say that you're supposed to build an audience or build your influence organically rather than spending money to get there faster? Well, you can do both. Why can't you do both, right? I mean, we are a paid media shop. We're not an influencer shop. So there's some some that prefer to do the influence way, which is which is great. I'm I'm not saying that's not a not the right way. It mm-hmm. certainly is, but I would do both. I mean, you need like we just spoke about diversification. So, what happens if you know you just said it, Malcolm? If you have a platform on TikTok and you get to platform, so I'll give you a, a perfect story. Mm-hmm. One of our creators named Cameron. He had 2.5 million followers on TikTok, mm-hmm. and TikTok decided to shut him down for whatever reason. Because he mentioned, I forget, he, he he just made a comment they didn't like, they shut him down. Now, all of a sudden, he has nothing. He, he's dead. He's out, he's out of the business. So he's mm-hmm. out of the influencer game. Thankfully, he was working for us as a creator, but he was out of the influencer game. So what happens there? Like you need, again, it, it gets back to the diversification. You need your marketing strategy to be diversified. You need your platforms to be diversified. You need, I think, your, your media buyers and everything within your business to be diversified. You need no central failure point in, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, that's helpful. I, I, I it, it brings a, a, about another question in my mind though, as you're talking and I understand you're going to be biased in this, but I'll ask it still. Cause I think you're uniquely qualified to answer it, which is if I am trying to sort through the various groups out there, the various organizations out there that create these types of campaigns for companies that are looking to scale fast, how do I determine who's for real and who's not, right? Is there a, is there a cheat code at all to seeing through the nonsense and the BS of folks that purport to be agencies who do this, groups and teams of people who do this versus a guy with a laptop at his 
countertop in Russia somewhere. And <laughs> I'm not really going to get much out of out of that ad spin other than a good story to tell on a stage at TechCrunch. <laughs> well, I think you need you need to speak to their current clients. You need to, you know, referrals are typically the best way, right? So okay. You ask, you know, you can ask, hey, Malcolm, who are you using? Or mm-hmm. so that's always the best way. Referrals are the best. And ask, just ask questions. Part of the lucky formula is, is asking questions, is being not afraid to be out there and speak to people. Like, for example, I always, you know, I always feel that when I go to a trade show, I don't always go there with a strategy because I, I like serendipity to take me through the show and always something amazing happens out of the show. So yeah. it's your ability or willingness to ask questions and, who do you use and why do you use them? And, you know, who's the best out there? And then, you know, you, you can narrow it down to a few and even still you're going to make a mistake because I've made a thousand mistakes, but then you, again, it's testing, right? Marketing is all about testing, test different uh, companies, te- test different platforms, different groups, and you'll eventually get to the right answer. Awesome. Well, before we get ready to wrap, let me ask you this. What would be your main message to folks who know they need to increase their influence in order to increase top line sales, you know, like we we mentioned and, and help them reach a bigger audience, but don't quite know how to get started. So not necessarily how to hire uh, an agency like, like, like you just described, but just how to even get started, where to go, what to do. What's yeah, your I'll give you an excellent example. Excellent. Okay. So this gentleman by that's in the, in the legal business. <clears throat> so, Three years ago, right before COVID, I was in Barcelona at, it was called Affiliate Summit. I'm pretty sure you heard of that, Malcolm. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so I just end up talking to this guy and he's in the legal business and this is his first foray into digital marketing. So this guy went to the show and just asked a ton of questions and it ended up, he, you know, he's he defriended me, great guy. And I introduced him to everybody I know. So that's the one hack. Go to the, go to the event, the marketing event in your industry. Mm-hmm. And just speak to everybody and ask all the questions. And eventually you're gonna you're gonna come across a guy like me, who I guess is is a connector, and that person is gonna connect you to everybody you need. And this guy's blown up his business since getting involved in digital marketing. I think he's almost tripled his business. Wow. And I, I haven't asked him for a commission yet, but maybe I will. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. It sounds like you earned it. Well, my last question actually has absolutely nothing to do with, uh, or I assume has nothing to do with Maxi or, or any of the, the work you do in your official capacity. So you can kind of relax your shoulders a little bit and, and sit back in your seat. But let's say for a moment, you never found this passion that you have for digital media or marketing in general, right? So you had to find a different way to occupy your days, but money wasn't a factor in your decision-making at all. What do you think you'd be doing right now? If money w- is not a factor, right? Can it? Can I? Can I buy? So, do I have two billion dollars? Is that what I have? Let's can you give that to me? Sixty billion dollars. Okay. So here's here's what I'm doing anyway. Eventually, at some point in the next five years, I'm buying the Florida Panthers. Okay. And we're gonna make them successful, and we're gonna win the Stanley Cup. That's what we're doing. That's what okay. I would definitely be doing. That is a big proclamation. And I don't know where we'll be as far as episode number by the time five <laughs> years from now rolls around, but I definitely want to play this one back. And Eric and I are going to sit and go, did Mark buy the Panthers on, I don't know, let's call it December 31st, 2027 or earlier. Like I want to be able to look back and go, hey, look, <laughs> he made that proclamation here and we had it first. <laughs> there you go. There you go. 
And we won the Stanley Cup, by the way. That's the key factor because the Stanley Cup is what the, what the goal is. You just might even get me into hockey at that point, Mark. Like I, I, I'm an NFL guy. Like I'm very excited. The fact that uh, football season is is back here finally. Like the days just aren't the same when I don't have Sunday to look forward to. But. <laughs> You will have gotten me into hockey if I can be able to directly point and go, I remember when the Panthers started this run and now they're finally actually here at the uh in the Stanley Cup. I'm in DC where where the caps are. And so I All right. I remember very closely because it just happened. The parade You won the cup, absolutely. Uh, yeah, yeah. I remember the parade that that recently happened. I can't even say we like I, I don't even want to pretend like I'm a a, a big <laughs> sports fan, but that one is still etched in my mind from from seeing it happen. Awesome. So that's, that's going to happen here in South Florida and uh, we're going to do it. That, that, that would, that's anyway, that's the answer to your question. Stanley cup champion, Florida Panthers. Awesome. <laughs> well, on that upbeat note, Eric with an A, why don't you go ahead and close this out, sir? I'd be happy to. I, I love this podcast. It, you know, it really resonated with me. It really kind of wrapped around goals, whether your goal is the Stanley cup or not saying the TikTok. you know, baby steps. We're all doing it. <laughs> Anyway, I, I do appreciate your time, Mark. It was fantastic getting to know you, getting to know a little bit about you, your passion, your business. Thank you for coming on the show. And of course, Malcolm, thank you so much for orchestrating everything and bringing on amazing guests. And our last thank you is for you listening audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the Tech Money Podcast with Malcolm Etheridge. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Malcolm comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. And we humbly ask that you share this podcast, leave a review as this will help others find the show. You can connect with Malcolm on social at Malcolm on money, and we'd love to hear from you and answer any questions you have. And you can do so by emailing them to podcast at tech money.com. Again, thank you so much for listening today for everyone at tech money. Our hope is that this show helped make you a little smarter about your money. This has been the tech money podcast for more information on today's topic to review the show notes or to catch up on past episodes, be sure to check out malcolmetheridge.com slash podcast. And if you have an idea for a show topic that you'd like us to cover or you want to send us feedback, the web address again is malcolmetheridge.com. You can also find Malcolm across all social media platforms at Malcolm on Money. This episode was written and created by Malcolm Etheridge with the production, the editing and sound controls powered by Proudmouth. This has been a Malcolm on Money original. Thank you for listening. The information shared in this recording and by its guests represents the views and opinions of the guests and does not represent the views or opinions of the host. This content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. This content is not, nor is it intended to be a substitute for professional financial advice. It is always recommended that you seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your personal financial situation. This episode of the Tech Money Podcast is sponsored by Capital Area Tax Consultants. Capital Area Tax Consultants is a virtual tax and accounting firm that specializes in helping high net worth individuals navigate the complexities of the tax code. With our comprehensive tax planning services, our one goal is to help clients maximize savings and minimize their tax liability each year. Our team of certified public accountants and enrolled agents is well-versed in the latest tax laws, ensuring that you capitalize on 
on every opportunity for strategic tax optimization. We anticipate changes and keep you up to date on opportunities to potentially reduce your tax bill in the future. With a focus on precision and strategic planning, we are your trusted partner both during tax season and throughout the year. So don't wait. Reach out to us today to experience a better approach to taxes at www.capgllc.com. Again, that web address is www.capgllc.com.